Hello there. This is an incoming transmission from Obi-Wan Kenobi. Welcome to the Credible Nerds podcast with Mark and Justin. This is the podcast you're looking for. Don't go about your business. Stay here. Well, go about your business and listen. And then you can move along. Move along. Makes Productions and The Credible Nerds present Reasons Why The Phantom Menace is a Great Star Wars Movie. Welcome everyone to The Credible Nerds Podcast. My name is Justin and I have a special guest with me this time, Harry. Hi guys. And this is our episode of arguments as to why The Phantom Menace is a great Star Wars movie or more lovingly called Why The Phantom Menace Doesn't Suck. Today we'll be talking about R2-D2 and C-3PO, major players in the Star Wars saga. They've appeared in 10 of the 11 Star Wars films to date. They've been in the animated series, The Clone Wars, and all, uh, this up to this point anyway, six seasons, with season seven soon to be released, as well as, um, actually, I don't know if they're in Star Wars Rebels. Maybe they make an appearance here and there, but um, I can't remember offhand. But So major players in the Star Wars saga, always part of the story. And in the first Star Wars film, A New Hope, back in 1977, they're one of the, f- the first characters that we are introduced to. And we are following their their journey right off the bat and then it doesn't doesn't ever let go where they're always involved in, in some capacity and in episode one we are introduced to them for the first time in quotation marks the first time if you've been watching it since you were a kid in the 70s or 80s um we, we saw them then but uh, chronologically we see them for the first time in this film so we're initially introduced to r2d2 on Queen Amidala's spaceship as the spaceship is damaged and R2-D2 and some other droids go out to try and save the ship from blowing up and getting destroyed. And he he does it. So he's right off the bat, he does some heroic stuff and he's commended by Queen Amidala. At least her, her her, um, her double commends him. So they end up going to Tatooine and at that point we're introduced to C-3PO. But yet... A not fully formed C-3PO, as he humorously says in the film, he's naked. He doesn't have his uh, his chrome plating. He has his, his parts are showing, I guess you could say. Uh, that was a, a pretty funny moment in the film. And interesting that we see him in this form. And I thought it was cool. You know, it's, he always wasn't the way we see him in the original trilogy. He started out as just Anakin built C-3PO from from scratch, it sounds like. So for you, Harry, in seeing C-3PO in this film and his appearance, and we, we learned that Anakin was building him, what did you think of that concept? I thought it was really cool. Um, every other droid you see, and we see lots of them, they're either fully formed and, and going about their business, or they're in parts in the back of a, a Jawa sandcrawler. Yeah. Um, we don't see uh, droid manufacturing. We don't see how they're built. They just are. And then all of a sudden, here's one that's being built. He's in the process of being constructed. And um, it's kind of cool. And yeah. seeing his parts and his little gyro uh, gyroscope in his head, you know, it was like, oh, you know, they, they thought about things that would that you would need to make a droid work. Yeah. Yeah. So every time C-3PO says, thank the maker throughout the rest of the films. So he's thanking Anakin, essentially. <laughs> that was a funny <laughs> twist to it all. 
So R2 and C3PO meet for the first time in Anakin's home in his bedroom, if I remember correctly, with Anakin and Padme. So that was a momentous moment. Um, brought some some chills for me the first time I saw it. And it was like, oh, this is, this is how it all starts. But eventually, when the group leaves Tatooine with Anakin, C-3PO stays behind. So he, he has a smaller part, smaller role in this film. Uh, he's left behind, but R2 continues on and ends up being a, a big part of the story as well. So in previous episodes, we've talked about how um, C-3PO is a little annoying in the original trilogy. Um, but as far as the duo of R2-D2 and C-3PO throughout the saga, what's been your perspective or your your thoughts on, on, on these two characters as we're introduced to them here all the way through essentially episode nine? Uh, they're just, they're an essential part of it. Um, I can't see Star Wars without them. Um, at, as annoying as uh, 3PO was at times. I mean, let's face it, Han Solo had him shut off once. Yeah. <laughs> um, everybody finds his his whining a little bit annoying at times, but they're essential to the whole saga. They play this huge role um, from beginning to end. And without them, it'd be a very different story and um, just set it apart from, from anything before. It started with droids and we get an origin story in episode one and and then they're along for the ride and they're an essential part of it. They're everybody's friends and uh, trusted confidants and um, couldn't be without them. Right. Yeah, they definitely end this or they definitely add this uh, very interesting dynamic that um, we don't see in other films, especially in you know the original trilogy. We hadn't really seen something like that before. So I was always in their their they're basically, I mean, they're droids, so they don't have personalities that develop and they don't learn like humans do and that sort of thing. But these two do have personalities, and I think that sets them apart, makes them a little special as opposed to other droids who just have a function and they fulfill those functions. So. And we get to see that a little bit in um, in A New Hope when um, Uncle Lars wants you know to have him, or Uncle Owen rather, sorry. Uncle Owen wants to have his memory wiped because he doesn't like the attitude that R2 has. Um, and you kind of see or, or realize at that point, if you're paying attention, that these two are kind of unique in the personalities that they have. And other droids are strictly tools. They're devices that uh, their owners keep carefully controlled by wiping their memory if they need to, to get rid of bad behavior. Right. Yeah. And we see throughout the prequels in the animated Clone Wars series that R2-D2 is allowed to keep his memory intact. Uh, there was an episode in the Clone Wars where R2 got lost. He got separated from Anakin in a battle and was lost. And Obi-Wan asks Anakin, you wiped his memory, right? Because he has all these you know, Republic battle plans and schematics and strategies stored in his memory and Anakin's like uh no I didn't do that I don't ever wipe his memory so that became you know this thing that they had to retrieve R2 or else he could fall into the separatist hands and reveal a lot of information so yeah he both well, at least in the prequels him and 3PO didn't never have their memories wiped so like you said that added to their distinct personalities and obviously at the end of episode three 3PO's mind is wiped and he starts fresh um completely forgot about that yeah. And I think I think it was George Lucas that said that, you know, the droids provide this perspective of kind of they're kind of the storytellers of the films. You know, they're the ones involved in everything and um, 
recording and chronicling everything. And that's one of the rules that they have is is that. But yet it, in the sequel trilogy, we don't really have that. And I do want to talk a little bit about the sequel trilogies, um, 7, 8, and 9, that both of those droids end up having a diminished role in the films. BB-8 comes to the fore. I mean, I like BB-8, and I think he was a great addition. But he essentially became the new R2 in 3PO, where he was the droid that was always around helping helping them out. In Episode 7, we see R2-D2 like once or twice. He's just under this tarp in storage, basically. And he's at the end, he pops out, and, hey, I have the, the rest of the map that you guys need. And C-3PO has a few minutes here and there of dialogue, so he's not really involved in Episode 8, even less. But then in episode nine, they do have a bigger role. And I think C-3PO does have his, his best moments in episode nine. Um, he's involved in the main story. He's a key point in you know reading the Sith hieroglyphics or the Sith language or whatever. And so he has his hero moments here in episode nine that I, I was glad to see. I, this is probably one of the few films that I've enjoyed C-3PO. He was, he was fun to watch. He was, he was humorous instead of annoying at least for me, and I enjoyed his role in this film. So what are your thoughts on the droids in, in the sequel trilogy, Harry? Um, yeah, I just echo what you said. You know, BB-8 shows up, and then he's it throughout most of the movies, and we see very little of the other ones. Um, C-3PO um, until episode nine, just really just a minor role. He's just kind of there to tie it into the other movies, but not really much of a part. And then R2's, like you said, he's in storage. Um, and um, I don't think it's ever super explains why, you know, is, is he sad because Luke's gone or was he um, part of a bigger plan to make sure that Luke could be found if necessary, but making it really, really hard for anybody to, to do it. Um, you know, why is he powered down? Uh, put new batteries in him. He should be good. Charge him up. No. Plug him in or something. <laughs> but then, um, like you, C-3PO made me laugh all through episode nine. He was funny. Um, seeing him with red eyes, I just, I busted up laughing. It's just yeah. the yeah. the weird voice and the red eyes. And you're like, <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. Um, but before that was one of the, um, I don't know, most like strongest moments emotionally in the movie. When he's standing there looking at them all and he's, you know, and, and Poe asks him, hey, what's up, 3PO? And he's like, I'm just trying to remember this. And uh, it was a pretty emotional moment for me because it's like, this is what Star Wars is about. It's this big extended family that's doing their very best to create a safe place for everybody, no matter what the sacrifice. And even this droid is willing to sacrifice everything to keep the mission moving forward. But at the same time, he realizes like, I'm about to lose everything. And um, it's kind of a sad moment. You're like, oh, geez. Yeah. But he's still willing to do it because that's what's necessary. Yeah. Yeah. And I was surprised at the the emotion that I got with it too. I was like, wow, C-3PO is, you know, he's been, he's always been the logical one and, you know, the odds, you know, it's against all odds. These are the odds of this this thing and you know very logic driven and but yet here he's you know he exudes some emotion you know i'm looking at my friends this may be the last time i see you guys so yeah it was it was a emotional moment and it was a heroic moment because we didn't know i mean i suspect that he'd come back but you know we didn't know that he he may die you know that may be the end of c-3po either he you know powers down is never able to regain power or whatever or he may just be different may have different personalities not the same anymore so right like you said to put that on the line and sacrifice it um and i think part of the the emotion there the power of it was is he's been there 
since the beginning. Yeah. Um, you know, he's one of the first droids we see in, in A New Hope. And, you know, as, as kids, it's like, wow, this is like the coolest robot I've ever seen. Yeah. He's all golden and he can walk and he talks and speaks six million forms of communication. And he's yeah. like, in a way, he's kind of cool. And then we've seen him and we've grown up with him and seen him forever. And then to think for a moment there's like, we're going to lose him. Three people's gone. It's like, this is Rogue One all over again. We're killing off people we like. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But just him recognizing it, but still being willing was was a pretty powerful moment. And I think JJ pulled that off really well. Yeah. Yeah, I was glad. It was unexpected, and at least until the, the preview started coming out. You're like, oh, C-3PO has a bigger role looks like and you know so it was unexpected that he would do you know he would turn to c-3po especially in previous his previous film with episode seven where you know that he had this red arm and that was the big thing and then he went away so i was surprised to see jj do it i'm glad he did um, to have that moment because he has been out of the picture for the past two movies so um but he ends up getting his memory back from r2 um i was hoping that R2 would have reestablished it from all the way back to episode one. And then he'd have all, you know, all the memories that he lost. And I, that's what I was hoping. Maybe he did. It didn't really address it, but um, that would have been cool. That would have been, because um, I completely forgotten about the re, or, you know, the reboot in episode three. Um, so that would be cool if R2 had had a backup there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So they appeared in every film, uh, episodes one through nine, uh, Rogue One. They had a brief cameo, which was I thought was a cool moment for them. For sure. That's really all they could do in that film, but I'm glad they popped up. And then as far as Solo, they weren't in Solo, but the actor that played C-3PO, Anthony Daniels, had a he played a, a character without, like a human character. So he appeared in that one. So I guess you could say that Anthony Daniels has been in every Star Wars film. Which is pretty dang cool if you think about it. Yeah, yep. And he has a, he recently put out a biography I think it's simply called I am C-3PO, but um, if you get the audible or the audio book, I guess it's him reading the book. And so I've listened to a few chapters by now and it's really interesting because he starts with, Hey, this is, you know, I was going to be a lawyer and then I, I wasn't very happy. So I decided, well, I'm going to acting school, you know? So he kind of starts out how he started out and then he goes into how he met George Lucas and was cast and how he met the other actors and, you know, some of the filming. So I'm just getting to when they started filming down in Tunisia, that was the first place they went to film was down there at the, the Skywalker, or I guess the Lars homestead. And he talks about how painful the costume was because they, they put it on in the main studio in England. And they're like, yep, it fits, but we got to ship it. So they shipped it like the next day. So he didn't get a chance to really walk around and practice in it. So they get down there, he puts it on and starts walking around and says, like, the the costume was crushing his feet. Like, the weight of it going down was crushing his feet. So they had to oh, wow. do some adjustments or they, he'd be walking and it, something would break. And, you know, it was just, it was just the biggest pain. <laughs> he was in pain the whole time. <laughs> it's really interesting. And then he'll say a line that he had to say in the film and he uses the same voice. So it's like, oh, I'm listening to C-3PO tell his story. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so if you have a chance to read the or listen to the audiobook, do it. It's pretty cool. I, I've enjoyed it so far. Oh, for sure. Like I was planning on reading the book, but now I'm going to listen to it instead. Yeah. Yeah. So um, do you have a favorite R2-D2, C-3PO or just one of them moment in the in the saga? Um, the, geez. Um, 
together. I don't know. Um, C-3PO there at the ends in, in episode nine, that's my favorite 3PO moment, I think, yeah. um, of all. Um, and um, maybe with R2, when he's giving it to Salicious Crumb. So I guess they're both <laughs> together. When Salicious is pulling 3PO's eye out and R2's like, I don't think so. Yeah. <sighs> taser 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 and <laughs> launches yeah. them into the rafters um I, I know that was you know that made me laugh a lot um, like you get them r2 yeah that, that was a pretty funny moment i agree with that um i like those two um outside of that huh, i would say i did like r2 in episode three where he was when obi-wan and anakin were trying to um make it to Chancellor Palpatine to rescue him. And R2 was fighting the battle droids and operating the elevator and, you know, that sort of thing. I thought that was, oh, right, right. That was kind of cool. Um, he had his, another hero moment there. So, and then C-3PO, probably the one that you mentioned, episode nine, and then episode four, just the wonder of it. Oh, look at those, those cool droids. And they had their, they had their moments in A New Hope when they're lost in the desert and they were arguing back and forth and, C-3PO is kicking him and I'm going to go this way. You go that way. That was probably, that's probably one of my favorite moments there with the both of them. So. That was a pretty great sequence. And because you know what, within a few minutes, he's like, he tricked me. Yeah. He wanted me to go this way. And yeah, like, wow, those two have some, some backstory to them. Yeah. Like, when are we going to find out about that? Because they didn't just meet. Um, they've yeah, known they, each other for a long time and um, it, it's kind of funny. Um, just getting to, to understand 3PO, but not R2 is, is kind of cool too. Um, is, you know, you kind of pick up the attitude of R2 in the tone of the beeps, but you yeah. never really know what he's saying. Yeah, until 3PO interprets it or responds to it. Right. Yeah. And that's that goes to the acting qualities of Anthony Daniels. I mean, he was basically acting for R2, you know, or not necessarily acting for, but developing the character of R2 through his dialogue his responses and things like that so he's he plays a big role in r2's lovability as well for sure one thing that i just recalled um in the original i think it's even in the novel of a new hope like the first novel that came out in 76 r2 in the back of the x-wing when they're attacking the death star um the ship got hit and r2 would crawl out of um the cockpit the slot that he's in and drive around on the ship and fix it like he did on the Naboo cruiser in episode one. You know how he, they were in the right. ship, they went up the mm-hmm. elevator, went out and fixed it. Right. That was the original concept of how our, how R2-D2 would be, or rather Astromex would be in the X-Wings. They would get out and go on the ship and go to where it's damaged and fix it type thing. <clears throat> but it didn't make it in A New Hope in the films because just, I think the logistics of it all. Uh, technology limitations. Yeah, yeah. So then it was, I thought it was cool that they were able to do that in episode one with that sequence where him and the other droids get out and are fixing it and the droids are getting blown away and he's the one that was able to put, get the shields back up. So Yeah, that was very cool. Um, I, I guess another moment with R2 is his, uh, his rockets where you know he shows that he can fly. I was like, oh, that is pretty sweet. He's got a lot of surprises hidden in that little shell. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because it's like, well, where are those rockets on Dagobah? or Hoth or, you know, or is that just, well, that's, we're not going to worry about that type thing. Um, yeah. It, I, again, I think it was a technology limitation. Oh yeah. Uh, it was simple to do with CGI, but would have been a lot more work with a, a, a mechanical model. Um, 
And, uh, you know, but maybe he just didn't have them anymore. He needed other stuff and it had been upgraded through, you know, throughout the years. And those were removed um, yeah. for bigger memory unit. Who knows? Yeah. For C-3PO's uh, storage, memory storage. Or they just, uh, they ran, he ran out of fuel and they never made that fuel again. I mean. It could have been anything. They, they broke at some point. And, yeah. um, or Luke took him out when he needed space for his uh, lightsaber. Yeah. Had to move things around. And... Or took a control unit out and then the rockets just, you know, who knows? Yeah. yeah. So that's R2-D2 and C-3PO, uh, major players in the Star Wars saga. We see them meet for the first time. Were you satisfied with the time they spent together in episode one? Was that enough for you? Was it a good, solid, hey, I'm R2, I'm C-3PO moment? And again, we talked about in previous episodes, you know, this movie is a setup for the 12 films that follow it, or I guess 11 films that follow it. Um, You know, was that satisfactory for you? It was, um, because I I think it really shows um, them at the beginning. It's an origin story for both droids. R2 is a simple astromech on a royal cruiser. Um, 3PO is a protocol droid in construction. and it's the beginning of them before they have a relationship. Um, but it's them at the very beginning of the whole saga. So it's pretty yeah. cool. I, I, I enjoyed it and thought we, we had enough of them and got to see the beginning in a great way. You know, while you're saying that, I just had this thought. I'm also looking at this picture of R2 and C-3PO and Padme and Anakin in his room when they meet for the first time. And Padme's wearing blue, R2's blue, Anakin's brown, wearing brown, uh, C-3PO's not necessarily brown, but he's a peasant looking. And I had this thought that R2 is a, is royalty, like Padme. C-3PO is slumming. He's a peasant, you know, lives on Tatooine. They meet same basically the same time as Anakin and Padme do. You know, is they come from the same type of backgrounds and they end up having this contentious relationship, but they can't live without each other. You know, is it set up? Am I reading too much into it or was it set up to mirror... Anakin and Padme's relationship to some degree. That's a really good thought. Uh, um, thinking about that that scene, it's like, yeah, there's a, there's some subtle hints there that that's a possibility. Two from Tatooine um, and two from Naboo, and um, these two relationships that extends, you know, for uh, throughout the original trilogy at least, and then the two droids continuing. Um, that's a pretty good thought. Never never th- would have thought of that. It's, yeah, I yeah. wonder if that was intentional or if I'm just making connections that weren't intended. But I think to some degree it kind of holds up. So, but yeah, um, glad that R2 and C3PO had their dues throughout the movies, you know, their heroic moments, and that C3PO had his final heroic moment in Episode Nine. I think that's, I think that was important. I think that's, it definitely made me like Episode Nine more than I would have if it wasn't there. And I didn't know I needed that. So that was, that was cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we want to thank you guys for joining us here on this episode of arguments as to why the Phantom Menace is a great Star Wars movie. And we want to thank Harry for joining us once again on this podcast episode. And thanks for having me. And we're, may the force be with you guys. May the force be with you.